Anybody out there? Can you hear the sounds? Is there anybody listening? To what's going hey, what's up? Hi. Welcome to Simber Dialogues. This is your host, Okanya. And the other host, Darrell. Derail. Please don't derail our conversation today, Derail. That's my specialty. So how's life? Life. It's been very, very, very stagnant. What do you mean? Well, what have you been up to? Same as last week. <laughs> It's Groundhog's Day, man. I'm telling you. It's like we're supposed to do this podcast every week and talk about new things. And yet the only new thing that happens is either something pandemic related, some famous person died, or Trump and his administration did something stupid. True, true. Well, speaking of which, it was very unfortunate, but little Richard passed away last week. It wasn't last week. It was just like last yesterday was it yesterday or friday i thought it was yeah. friday oh well it technically I, it's last week but yeah it's... honestly you know what i i can't keep track of time every day is a monday every day feels like a monday for me every day feels like a monday what do you think tommy that's our cat thomas sir thomas Payne. Cats feel that way. Every day they wake up. This feels like a cat day. Mm-hmm. No. Not right. Come on, dude. <laughs> so our litter box is approximately uh-huh. 10 feet away from our podcast station. And our cat looked like he was about to take advantage of that fact. But he heard you and then he turned away from that. Oh, so, so considerate. We raised him well. All right. So, what have we been watching lately? Was it uh, Shit's Creek? <laughs> we've Continue been on, on a Shits roll. Shit's Creek. Yes, we've been on a roll. We ran out of episodes on IMDb, but apparently there's one more season mm-hmm. floating around the atmosphere somewhere. I have to find it. So, what's new in Shit's Creek? What did we discover since last week? So, we've been piling through this. You know... I'm slowly starting to lose touch with the characters, in a way. I was relating more to them in the first season than I am right now. Like the first couple of seasons, maybe? Yeah, the first first season, and maybe a little bit of the second season, you could see the realness of the character, and now it's kind of, I don't know. It's You know, if you drag a story for too long, you just lose momentum. This is what is happening right now. And I think they're focusing too much on... Um, mundane relationship drama rather than Particu- character development. Particularly that of David's. Yeah, I'm, I understand. Like- he's the main writer for the show, so he's he's also one of the main actors. So, you know, he's focusing on his his story, his storyline. Yeah. But there's so much more to Shit's Creek. There's so many interesting characters. Like, what happened to Mutt? You know, what about Twilight's... What about Twilight, uh, Twilight's yeah. development? What about Bob? What is Bob's background? He um, disappeared, too. It seemed like after the first season, he just... He was there, here and there. That's about it. But he seemed like such a fun, funny character in the first season and just kind of fell to the wayside. 
Yeah, and even like Roland. Roland was mm. such a distinct, annoying, distinct character in the first season. And now he's annoying, but uh, more of a side character again. Bore, I would say. Yeah. Like, it's very boring right now. Yeah. There's definitely been some good episodes, but I think the better episodes are when they get away from the typical, I hate to say, like, politically advantageous content where they're it's cool if they have gay relationships in this but when they're talking or they're getting back to some of the characters like i love the flashback scene with johnny mm-hmm. and he was reflecting on the way his life used to be and having mm-hmm. revelations as to maybe it wasn't as good as i thought it was mm-hmm. uh, i think that was a christmas episode yeah that was a, that was a very good and then this episode. most recent episode when they did the whole play uh, mm-hmm. life is a cabaret and it wasn't just about the relationship anymore, but it was about these characters that we fell in love with from the first season and mm-hmm. just kind of got back to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even the, I, I've noticed with even their choice in what they focus on, the lengths of scenes, there have been some scenes like they had the party scene. That could have been almost a whole episode, but they cut it short so much. Mm-hmm. But then there's another scene where uh, David was singing to Ted, or not Ted, Patrick. Patrick. They all have three-letter names. Pat. All right. No, they just call him Patrick, right? Patrick. They don't say Pat. Uh, well, they had the whole singing scene with David and Patrick, and they let that play out entirely. But then there's other scenes, I think, like uh, your favorite Alexis song. They could have played that out, the whole thing in the episode. They cut that one short. That was partly because of the <laughs> they were annoyed with her. But there's been some other moments where it felt like if they just let it roll out, that would have made better content than what they rushed into. Yeah. Yeah, it, it seems like they're focusing too much on the relationship uh, between David and Patrick. And or his previous boyfriends. just kind of keeps going back to... <laughs> it even feels like Stevie fell to the wayside after the first season. Yeah. Stevie well, was such a, such a distinct character, and she became more of a, you know, supporting... Yeah supporting character i thought like her character would develop a lot more yeah i mean she definitely had more character development this season Mm -hmm. and they've been kind of putting it out there that she feels like she's fallen behind she's seen everyone else growing up around her and she's been stuck stuck left at this motel Uh, so i was glad that they really focused this last couple episodes on her and her development i'm curious to see how she goes forward Mm mm-hmm but the balance of definitely the balance of character seems off mm-hmm. from the first season where it was just you see this weird cast of characters with the roses trying to integrate into Shit's Creek and the people at this town. Mm-hmm. So there were, there was a nice balance between the two as the characters are in, being introduced to new people and vice versa. And slowly, it seemed like uh, I don't know more and more focus were on certain elements of it than others. For sure. Yeah. But it's still, it's not the worst television out there, but plot definitely seems razor thin. Mm-hmm. Which makes it even more strange that they wouldn't give more time to those scenes that would have been, like, fun Ted. Why didn't they, exo- that, that I mean, just, he could have ran that whole episode, just fun Ted. They could have named that episode fun Ted. Mm-hmm. And then you see him at the party and he just goes fucking nuts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if I was directing the show, I would have focused more on um, 
the side characters yeah. and their life and their developments and what actually a small town has like problems with a small town and how they're overcoming those problems um rather than you know focusing on just even like if you think about it even like uh how much they were struggling in the first season it seems like they bounced back and they still have they're doing pretty well but just they are staying at the motel like at this point i guess they can probably get an apartment of their own the house was like $250 a month yeah you're telling me they can't pull together 250 a month yeah but live? they didn't want to go there because it was someone killed themselves there's other homes yep so i i i don't know i i just think that there are a lot of loopholes in that plot it was not executed as well in the later seasons the first season absolutely i felt it was perfect uh it was fun you could see the the stark quality of life differences that they had yeah now as for a potential spin-off i don't know if they will do it but uh our favorite character our seemingly increasingly favorite character in alexis and all of the random stories she brings up it's like there's a new story. It's like, oh, remember that time in Saudi Arabia when I was escaping from a Saudi prince's home and I had to sneak through uh, X, Y, or Z? And Wearing a burqa and driving a car. It's like she sounds like the female James Bond of dating. It's like she just gets into all this trouble by dating random dudes around the world. And I think it would be such a great show if you can do it. You know, just her adventures around the world. They could have incorporated some flashbacks with her. Maybe, maybe she goes into story mode and she talks about something that happened with Twyla. And then Twyla's learning about Alexis through her eyes and something that she did. I guess that would take a lot more of a budget. Yeah. Uh, but, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I think that's all, about all we have on Shit's Creek for now. Got one more season. Maybe yeah. it'll end on a high note. I did see the reviews for the last season were pretty high. You know, I do not trust reviews on IMDb and other uh, sources because we have seen this in the past, how a very critically reviewed show or a movie, I don't know who reviews them, but when we saw it, like, are we even watching the same movie? What movie are we thinking? Like, a lot of movies. Yeah. It doesn't happen too often with IMDb. I'll say because that's not just critic reviews. That's just average users like us that watch it and maybe they decide they hate it. Like, look at the last season of Game of Thrones. That got universally panned. You go on IMDb and those episodes just got thrashed. Like, but still, like what, six, six point five, seven? I think the one episode got a four. Wow. With that kind of budget, I think its whole score was based off the fact that the special effects were still great, but it still got trashed. Now, I wouldn't trust the critic reviews on Rotten Tomatoes as much because they seem to be more swayed. Mm-hmm. But even that still has user reviews. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they will shut off user reviews if it's getting destroyed too much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that happens every once in a while. But mm-hmm. at any rate, it is interesting when you watch something and then we have a completely different feeling than what the overall rating is for content. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, we watched another movie today. What did we watch? Uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, and it very well earned its 6.1 rating on IMDb. 
I was so disappointed. I mean, well, I, I kind you. of knew I kind of knew going into it how it's going to be, but I didn't realize it was that disjointed. Yeah, it, it was just made no sense. It's this is a franchise that just needs to die. I mean, they had such a good first film and they could have made that. I, I don't even know how they could make it a trilogy like they did. I'm not sure if Michael Crichton had written success. He did write successful books. Mm -hmm. But as far as I remember, I don't believe the books were nearly as bad as the sequels of the movies. So I don't know if they just strayed heavily or... No, I've actually never read the books, so I can't comment on that. He's a good writer. But it, it it was such nostalgia, you know? I remember the first Jurassic Park, watching it when I was... It's copyrighted. But I I was a huge dinosaur fan when I was I think I was in second grade, and we had this um, science park in in Calcutta it was called Science City and they had a special section on just dinosaurs mm. and I remember I didn't go as a kid but one of uh, my acquaintances had gotten uh, got there and um, he got me a poster of all these different dinosaurs and I was so ecstatic to have it up on my wall and I would just dream of like going there by myself and you know doing all these crazy stuff going on adventures in the Jurassic world Oh, such such good memories. There was a dinomania, I think, what in the eighties and nineties. Uh, was that tied to? I think they discovered some new dinosaur fossils. I I think so. I don't remember. I don't know too many of the peripheral details, but around that time, a, a lot of excitement was about dinosaurs. Hence the reason why. Uh, Jurassic Park was made as a film and mm. there was a number of these documentaries with really shitty CGI made that I used to show at work. Um, yeah, it was just, it's a very popular topic. Who doesn't like a large reptile in a movie? Not in real life, I'm just in a movie. You know, the funniest thing is that I absolutely despise reptiles. So, I mean, snakes are fine, but I, I, I do not like lizards. Actually, I do not like aren't, crocodiles. Aren't we going to I think we're going to get yelled at cuz technically dinosaurs are their own classification but they're like reptiles of sorts. They're like pre-reptiles. They're the ancestors to reptiles, right? And birds. Birds. Yes. Birds and animals. Not just like not just reptiles because we they also like there's uh you know different animals. Mammals have uh giraffes. Branched out of that as well. So I don't know. But then they wait. No, they laid eggs. Dinosaurs laid eggs. So birds. Right? So Mainly. birds and reptiles. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy to think the pigeon out your window used to be a giant, <laughs> or its ancestor used to be a giant flying pterodactyl. Pterodactyl. Were they meat eaters? Yeah. Oh yeah. Hmm. I mean, I could see vultures being descendants of that. All right. What about the film was so bad? Everything. There was not a single thing that I felt was like, 
oh, I, I felt a connection out there with, with the character. I mean, the only good thing was the last, like the scene where uh, they're leaving the island and you could see, uh, um, what is it, what is it, Bronchiosaurus? Bronchiosaurus, I think, the, the one with the really long yes, neck. Yes, it was just standing in the horizon and you could see the island on fire. It's like and a it's silhouette just, in the smoke. Yeah, that was the only, like, touching one touching moment out there but apart from that nothing made sense nothing made sense i did there, there were a couple more scenes i would give it credit for that i liked like what i, I mean the interactions between chris platt pratt and blue his his old there was some sentimental stuff going on there and when they shot shot his uh velociraptor and uh, I thought the daughter was well cast. Or you find out she's a clone. Not get it's not a spoiler because the movie's shit. Um, yeah, just so much. Oh, I will say I love the scene when they released that weird creature that was charging into everything into the the auction. Oh yeah. <laughs> and he's just fucking up all the rich people in the auction. <laughs> you see bodies flying everywhere. I think it was just a little baby too. It wasn't even a fully grown. Uh, critter he was he was causing all sorts of chaos and everyone started to flee that was wonderful i really enjoyed that that and the scene when that um fuck that that new creature they created is between the velociraptor and the t-rex the indominus indominus raptor raptor yeah and those fuckers in the elevator thought they got away <laughs> yeah. And then the or the Indominus Raptor hit the panel with its tail and the elevator door opened back open. And that guy that played Dobby and Harry Potter thought he was out in the clear until the doors opened back and I wish they didn't fade the black. I just I should it should have showed all of that. Uh well, was there anything you liked about the movie? Other than Chris Pratt. Even Chris Pratt, he wasn't shirtless, like What's there to like about it? <laughs> you it looked know? like it gained some weight since the last movie. Yeah, yeah. That's why they kept his shirt on. Maybe. Maybe. Um, honestly, it was, there were very, little, very few things to actually like about it. Um, I felt the characters were way too stiff. They did not have any... Um, you know, reason, rhyme or reason for acting a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the little girl was cast well and she was she was good. Her acting was really good, convincing. Even the granddad, I thought they should have gave him some more mm-hmm. screen time. Mm-hmm. I didn't really like the son. Was that the son or the grandson? The, the guy that ended up killing the grandfather. I have no idea. I think it was someone who worked for him. He was scummy felt like the movie had no heart. Like, it's been mm-hmm. a number of years since I've watched the first Jurassic Park, but there are certain scenes in that movie that have stuck with me mm-hmm. ever since watching that. When they first see the batch of uh, dinosaurs out in the field. But the first one was where uh, it was the family who goes to see the Jurassic Park, right? It starts that way, but then the Jurassic the Park goes to hell yeah. real quick. Yeah. When the fat guy fat scientist decided to try to sneak out of the park and yeah. he deactivates all of the security mechanisms and the right. fences and but T-Rex. it was the family that's the first one right 
the two the, son and the mother and father but they were scientists yeah but they, they it did was they bring a, their kids yeah 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 okay. yes yes yeah because that had too much like you could you could that feel it had heart yes it's like I, I don't know these subsequent movies just feel like doesn't feel like they cared that much with making the film I mean maybe they cared like you don't you don't feel that that artistic energy or that passion that you got with the first film mm-hmm. of how it was just crafted so nicely with very few technology involved as well that was state-of-the-art cgi at the time that still holds up relatively well compared to like the star wars iterations or where they tried to redesign some of the practical effects from the original movies and uh, I think they released a redone version mm. of the Star Wars trilogy in the year 2000 and that golden... Hey, hey do you remember <laughs> my first time watching all the Star Wars movies? That was with me, wasn't it? Do you know when it was? Rose and Titty Ute. It was right after we got married. Yeah. And we came back from the court... Yeah. And we just binged on Star Wars. The first three, right? Yes. We didn't watch. We did watch the, the second trilogy, but I warned you. Yeah. We watched all of it. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of moments in the first three, though, that you remember. Yeah. Just from watching those. Not yeah. so much in the second three. Yeah, I mean, a little bit about, uh, I guess, Anakin, Skywalker. and Melting in lava. Yeah. <sighs> Speaking of a... Uh, franchise that lost its heart <laughs> we'll talk about that another day but uh this original trilogy can't be touched they're they're great they all each have their own moments even the ewoks and the return of the jedi i know people hate that they're still very memorable but the thing the thing about original work is that they are classics you know um i mean sure it's same with lord of the rings you know, no one wants to touch lord of the rings again i mean i know they're making a, a show out of it or whatever but the hobbit wasn't as great as lord of the rings um well they tr- they took what was originally one short book and turned it into three movies where the original trilogy was based on three large books mm-hmm. that's that's a huge difference and didn't they just pretty much just turn the hobbit into a musical light they had some songs yes they did have some songs it was really weird Mm-hmm. And they had Legolas back, and they did the de-aging shit on him. Yeah. And he looked really weird. Yep. I don't believe I watched the third movie. Me neither. I didn't. Well, we should. Oh, actually, next episode, though, we have to watch some James Bond films, remember? Oh, yes. Oh, seven. There's a lot of older ones that I haven't watched. Maybe I'll find a list of the highest rated movies from, okay. like, the East Generation. Okay. Like the Sean Connery, the... I don't even know all the James Bond actors. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan, that's, obviously. Well, that's because they he was the James Bond for the time when we were growing yeah. up. Fun fact about him, he was originally cast to be James Bond as early as like 1984 or 85. Mm. But he couldn't do it because he was doing a TV show. of a, He was a secret agent as well in this show. And he wasn't able to be released. Hmm. So fun little trivia there. He could have had more James Bond movies with him. He was... Well, I know I can be biased, but I still think that he was the most suave James Bond ever. 
Yeah, he seemed like the most evolved up to that point, and then after he was done, they I mean, Daniel in. Craig's great, but I I don't know. He doesn't suit the the mold of James Bond. Yeah, he definitely took the series in a new direction, like more like a Jason Bourne direction with the fight sequences and mm-hmm. like Pierce Bronson was never this athletic. No. Or Corey, I mean, like the fight scenes were never this good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Usually they were cheesy or corny or like there was, I was watching one fight scene. Uh, they were doing jousting or something and die another day. Mm-hmm. And uh, Swordmaster was watching this. He's like, you don't roll over a fucking table in the middle of a fight. You don't expose your back to your enemy during the middle of a sword fight. It's stupid. They're just going to stab you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, just shit like that. Yeah. Well, I think also for a lot of movies now, they're getting real-life experts to come in and work with them. So they are more realistic, like you would see in John Wick when the choreography was done. You know, like Keanu trained with um, martial artists from different disciplines, and they had choreographers, fight choreographers, who were trained in all these martial art forms. It's more than just martial arts, though. Oh, for sure. I mean, they just knew how. They knew how with the camera direction. They knew how to smoothly transition from one sequence to the other mm-hmm. really well. It was really well executed. A lot of cool long sequences. Uh, obviously, gun fu. That's common in Chinese movies. Uh, and I believe Korean movies implement that as well. So he did a lot of tactical training. Mm-hmm. And you can tell when he's holding the gun, using the gun. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's not really shooting people but it looks real mm-hmm. and it's very rare that he actually has a stunt double mm-hmm. in these and just a reminder he's 50 mm-hmm. some years old that man never ages no we should probably just do an episode on the john wick yeah. <laughs> trilogy and just maybe just break down some of the fight sequences and yeah great movies i'm just wondering what the shift was in cinema was it just people not showing up to movies that were kind of lackluster like maybe the the half effort by uh, film studios was being recognized by audience members and they just stopped showing up, but then they were seeing movies that were actually like Logan or the Bourne trilogy or. Okay, to you're gonna like probably curse me for this, but I have never watched any of the Bourne Identity movies. Those are actually really good. I've never watched they're, they're them. They're very good. We should watch them. Okay. They're very good. Uh, you could probably credit those movies for the direction action films took after. The so only... it wasn't Die Hard? No. No, it's not Die Hard. <laughs> the only thing I know people look back at the Bourne movies being problematic in the sense of its camera movement. It does a lot of that jittery shit, a lot of that hand-holdy, kind of fake action make it seem like a lot's going on when you're watching john wick they don't do that at all mm-mm, mm-mm. it's just steady cameras mm-hmm. and the actions through the actual action mm-hmm. um but i will say it's not necessarily distracting some movies do it and it's incredibly distracting i thought they did it well maybe i'll watch it again and think they didn't do it well mm-hmm. it's been a while but they are very good movies and if i was a film buff or somebody that was studying trends in cin- cinematography and filmmaking I think the first Born Identity movie and just that trilogy and how successful it was really pushed action films and I don't want to just say action movies, but more serious films in a different direction, more realistic direction. Hmm. 
I mean, you see with uh, Daniel Craig in Casino Royale, how much of a departure that was from the previous James Bond movie. Mm -hmm. It's a hell of a lot closer to a Jason Bourne film than it was Goldeneye. Right. Just stylistically. And I believe that movie also did a little bit of the jittery shit Mm -hmm. with the camera. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, this is a nice little pivot point. I wanted to talk about something that we were kind of frustrated with after watching Jurassic World, and that was pacing in film versus TV. And uh, in previous episodes, we had talked about Better Call Saul. And that's a show that's also known to being slow at times, but you learn to kind of appreciate it. It's like a slow burn. Like whether it's a nice developing shot, a car's pulling into a scene, maybe there's a dramatic moment between two characters and they really focus on the facial expressions and the tension builds. Like, how, how do you feel about uh, the differences? Or... Well, I will bring up uh, Harry Potter for context. I feel like Harry Potter would have been so much better if it was... Uh, a TV show rather than a film especially when you're doing adaptations it is very important there are so many critical uh, elements in these books that you have to include in the in the you know the filming but if you have only 90 minutes to show a movie I think those are actually two plus hours each two and a okay. half hours each or whatever 180 minutes if you have that to show it's still not enough for all the details that goes into it. I know the last book. Um, two movies. Yeah, they had to split it up in two movies because there was so much, yeah. so many details that you really cannot do it in one movie. It's So I felt they could have gone more of a TV series route than a movie route because that way I think the fans would have enjoyed it more with all little details included, they could actually see the character development and actually see how, you know, Harry is growing up throughout the books. But in, in these movies, it was very abrupt. You, you couldn't really feel the continuity in, in the development. Yeah. It was a bit of a product of its time as well. Yeah. Like, uh, prior to The Sopranos... TV wasn't really known for great content for the most part. There weren't great TV shows. For mm-hmm. the, like, I mean, even the best TV shows weren't high budget. So to put something like Harry Potter into TV format with a low budget, that would have been a damn farce. Mm-hmm. But imagine if she would have wrote the first book in like 2007, 2008, when TV was really starting to pick up and mm-hmm. studios are pouring more and more money into TV content streaming content Mm -hmm. and imagine if it would have gotten the game of thrones treatment yeah minus the last couple seasons but at least the books were done so they wouldn't have had an excuse to go astray with the tv Mm -hmm. the the episodes like where maybe each book got 10 episodes almost 10 hours Mm -hmm. instead of just three hours yeah still probably wouldn't be enough but something yeah is interesting thinking about maybe maybe something could happen down the road it seems like they keep dragging new harry potter content out anyways with the cursed child they got that broadway production uh they're doing it's they're doing it's the worst mistake (laughs) 
why would you do the cursed child? It's just... Did you even read that? Yes. Sorry. I did. And it was bad writing, bad plot. Just, just bad. Yeah. It was not, it was not how J.K. Rowling had done it. It was just bad. She didn't even write that book. No. She was someone's ghost written. Yeah. By someone else. Yeah. Huh. Well, with, I think there is still hope that there might be a Harry Potter TV show. I was just saying that. That will be 20 years from now. 30 years from now. I can see within a couple years, you already have the Amazon uh, trying to push out a Lord of the Rings TV show. That already got its treatment with movies, six movies. But Harry Potter is still very recent. And I think since, you know, a lot of us have grown up with it and seen it, for us to see another Harry, you know, played by someone else and not Daniel Radcliffe would be a little bit, I don't know how it's going to settle. But maybe it could be geared more towards a younger generation again. Try to get a new generation sucked into the world of Harry Potter. I mean, I would be all for it. Like, bring it on. Imagine if they took the original, some of the original cast of Harry Potter and recast them as some of the older professors. Oh, that would be heartbreaking. No. No. All right, so just a fun thought experiment right here. So if they were to do a TV show of Harry Potter right now, who would you think they would cast for some of the major characters i don't know like harry is a young kid so i don't know who can they cast as harry how about the adult characters because like the kids they'll probably find someone like they found daniel radcliffe mm. the problem is you know it's hard to find people uh, because you know people who have already been playing these parts of such deep impression in mm. in your psyche that you can't really think of Snape being played by anyone else apart from Alan Rickman. Uh, it's or even like Sirius, like Gary Oldman played Sirius and you can't really think of anyone else playing Sirius Black. Uh, I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. yeah. Well, and obviously with the character who played Snape, he's gone. So that's, even if you wanted to do some cameos, tough. Yeah. What if they went the Better Call Saul route and just did the show from like a different perspective? That would be nice. I think like Dumbledore's adventures are really cool. They yeah. should do, to, like, I mean, they have already done with Newt's Commander for um, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find wow. Them. That's a spinoff. That's been kind of going down the yeah. drain anyways. Yeah. They could give him the same treatment they gave... Uh, who the fuck was it in the Avengers? They just kind of forgot about and they re- rebooted it. Not Spider... I did, they did it with Spider-Man. They, I thought it was the Hulk. I think it was the Hulk. Because mm. I forgot about... Uh, Fight Club. Mm. What the hell is his name? Not Brad Pitt. The other guy. American History X. Yes. Oh my god. Uh, I can't remember his name. Edward Norton. Yes. Yes, he was the Hulk in one movie. They forgot about him for the Avengers, but I don't think that was because he was bad in that. Who the hell they they threw a whole storyline out or a character and they completely rebooted 
I'm trying to remember what it was. Bat. It was in DC, not Marvel. That's why. Yeah. It's the whole Batman thing. They're just throwing that all out. Yes. The whole Batman versus Superman. Yep. All mm-hmm. that's getting trashed. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe they can do that with what they're unfortunately doing with uh, Newt Scamander's storyline. And he's a good character. Yeah. But what they've done with um, Johnny Depp <sighs> and even Voldemort in the timeline. Not Voldemort. Uh, Dumbledore. And the timelines, uh, from what I've read, the timelines are completely off. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense age-wise. Yep. Ignore that if you're going to do a TV show. Mm-hmm. Start treating it like comics. Mm-hmm. The, the storylines or the timelines don't have to be yep. even. Mm-hmm. Kind of go off and just make a good show. Yeah. I think I honestly think Dumbledore, since he's lived so long, he has a lot more adventures under his belt and he would be a good character to have a spinoff yeah and then i think that would be a refreshing perspective to relive harry potter through mm-hmm. but do i have faith that they won't butcher it with shitty writing or given the current political atmosphere try to charge it with a bunch of political nonsense that's incongruent with the story of harry potter Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. And J.K. Rowling doesn't have a lot of fans at the moment with uh, some of her latest comments. So yeah. maybe it won't even be made for another 20 years, like you're saying. Probably not. Probably not. All right. So uh, we had a little tangent on film. What were some thoughts that you had from last week? You know... <laughs> Again, I'm going to be the Debbie Downer. But this, <laughs> but this whole pandemic has kind of uh, made me realize that whatever we were chasing, whatever we were running after, doesn't make sense anymore, you know? We have to regroup, we have to reprioritize and rethink of how we are going to design our future going forward you know i'm sure a lot of people had so many different plans you know 2020 is going to be the year it's a new decade yes we're going to bring it on and we're going to change everything we're going to change our perspective and we're going to live healthier we're going to exercise we're going to eat well we're going to learn new things we're going to go on adventures and the first five months just showed us nope there's definitely been some perspective changing though yeah i mean fuck everyone pretty much just wants to throw this year in the trash if anything good comes out of it it's definitely going to be a change in perspective for mm-hmm. most folks it's like what really matters in life yeah too busy chasing that capitalist dream of climbing up the career ladder and not really having a sense of what all this is about like what are we doing what are we chasing more money in a bank account are we chasing some elusive title what is it i mean and that might work for some people after all this and i'm sure for others i don't know yeah, and even I feel the whole 
dating culture is going to change as well after this because no one can have one night stands anymore you can't just go out to the bar buy people drinks and then you know take them home for the night you can't yeah. really do that anymore right, this is where i'm gonna push i'm gonna throw a yellow flag into here people still fucked during the aids epidemic so you're telling me a little COVID's going to scare people away from having one-nighters? No, no. I'm not saying it will scare people away. I'm saying it will change because right now people can't do it. So they're stuck at home. They oh, have they to eventually go, will. They have to go back to the whole old ways of dating, of sending texts and calling people. Snail mail. <laughs> yeah. With Lysol. Got to Lysol that bitch. Or you touch it. Yeah. Huh. I mean, imagine you can't be in a packed bar anymore, even if we reopen and everything. It's going to be a while. Yeah. So, I mean, it will change. It will change the whole game a little bit, at least. I think the human will is going to persevere through this. And there's going to be many efforts to quell human gatherings and people in tight spaces. But, you know, as well as I do, that's only going to last for so long. It's, it's like how how long are you going to ban people from gathering at concerts? How long are you going to keep people away from New Newmarket in Calcutta, <laughs> or even Durga Puja? How about that? How long is that going to last? Well, that's going to be very sad this year if this continues. And it's not going to be this year. It's gone. It's done. Maybe it'll still happen, but then you're going to have like a huge outbreak in India. Yeah. Like, I, honestly, though, how long are we going to ban people from gathering? How long will that realistically last before the only way you're going to keep people off the streets is through the force of a gun? Yeah. It's, it's only going to go for so long. So whether government likes it, or, likes it or not, whether people who have advocated for people to stay at home like it or not, eventually people will return back to their old habits. With slight modifications, maybe a little more conscious if you're sick, wear a mask when you go to work, wash your hands a little bit more. Things we probably should have been doing before. Yeah. But as far as where people are going to live after this, that's I think that's the more interesting question. Yeah. I mean, you see it living in you know, uh, one of the major cities of the world, how suffocating it is just to be stuck in one place and not being able to socialize, not being able to go out, and so many of the industries dying off. Mm-hmm. It, it will be very challenging for people to find a reason to stick around. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would, I'm, I'm not an economist, but... I wouldn't be surprised if it's going to take at least five to ten years to kind of get back to pre-pandemic business levels as far as well, restaurants I, I and don't stuff. know if it's going to be ten years, but definitely five years. I mean, there's just, just so many businesses going to be lost. Like, you see how long it takes for some businesses to refill? I mean, just the street down here. Some businesses pre-pandemic were up for rent from our entire stay mm-hmm. in our area. And we're right next to New York City. And those still weren't filled. Throw a pandemic into the mix. 20 plus million people unemployed. 
a lot of small businesses probably draining out their savings accounts, the ones that were able to stay open. Individuals are like, well, fuck this shit. We're not starting anything up right now. Mm-hmm. I, it, I hope I'm wrong, but I just miss going to the cafe. I miss going to little restaurants and just having coffee. And I know it sounds a little selfish and petty, but I'm sure a lot of people miss a lot of things right now. Yeah. Barely speak any Spanish at all, but yet we could still have decent, positive interactions with some of the locals. And I don't know. Yeah. Sad. The one thing I I do miss the most is just being connected to nature. Here, when you're just stuck in your home, parks are closed. Parks are closed. You're yeah. not really advised to go out and walk or around too much or just you know just just go out in general it becomes a very isolating depressing environment for yourself and i i feel for those people who are just stuck in one single room sharing their apartments with three four other people and really barely have any space to do anything i mean that's a very sad existence Uh, imagine your last apartment through this crisis can't even imagine i absolutely yeah it was a was the most disgusting actually no i i it's still better than the than the place we i stayed at um back in 2013 but which one all of them all of them uh just a little pp like new york has just not been good for me uh, apartment wise yeah but last apartment i can't even imagine being stuck in that apartment with a kitchen filled with cockroaches with really hostile uh-huh. uh, you know roommates just just trying to survive each day it would have been a nightmare wonder if a lot of the people are still partying on that street even through the crisis i wouldn't put it past them show up at like three in the morning and you still see people out on the sidewalks blasting music smoking weed yeah. Apparently someone got stabbed the one night I was there. So Yeah, it was always always something or the other. So I mean I, I'm grateful that I'm not in that situation anymore. I'm in a lo- a much better place. But even then I, I just feel I'm losing out on so much nature and, you know, usual normal things in life. Yeah. I think uh, this pandemic's forcing people to reflect a lot more than they maybe usually had as well. Mm-hmm. Just missing the things that they never thought they would miss. Yeah. Like a meme I saw. They showed, I think it was two pictures of two parks pre-pandemic. No one's in the park. After pandemic, when people are told not to go to the park, it's filled. Part of that's just because humans are naturally rebellious and we pretty much stick our middle finger to the authority whenever we can. When we're told we can't do something, we will go do it. I think the other thing is, it's like that, that old cliche, you don't know what you got till it's gone. And there's just so much that we used to take for granted that I think maybe post-pandemic, at least for a little while, we'll really appreciate again once mm-hmm. we have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, As my grandma likes to say, 
It's a crazy, crazy world. <laughs> I can't, I can't have that. You know that. You do a good Moira. Moira? No, I don't. All right. Now, just for some overall topics, I just wanted to discuss briefly. Making the most out of opportunities. One thing I think will be a natural side effect of this pandemic, people are going to be looking for opportunities in places that they maybe didn't look for opportunities. Yeah. Or rethinking uh, previous opportunities that they didn't realize they had. If I'm being vague, I'm thinking more. In traditional sense, people used to think of certain areas of the country for certain things. Like if you want to go be a film star, you go to Hollywood. If you want to be a dance star, you go to New York. If you want to, I don't know. Like the traditional urban areas, and I don't think this just applies to the United States, but the traditional urban areas that were the beacons or the centers of certain industries, I think there's going to be a lot of shifting after this. And there's going to be a lot of, of creative entrepreneurship. Uh, maybe there's going to be more grant money flowing into other areas of the country to kind of discourage further clustering. I don't know how much they'll really have to encourage that because people are probably moving back to their parents' homes anyways. Uh, but I, I, going forward, I think that's going to be a very interesting thing, what kind of innovation arises out of tragedy. Yeah. I think, you know, we're seeing this trend of people just moving back, people finding uh, job opportunities mostly online, uh, working remotely, uh, becoming entrepreneurs by themselves and, you know, kind of rejecting the notion of a nine-to-five job. Um, most millennials are, you know, very used to this life. They, they are less, they are craving less for that job security. They are craving less of retirement, uh, but they're more towards experiences and um you know, new innovative ways of doing things. And and I think the pandemic kind of fast-tracked that whole thing. A lot of people will now start looking for opportunities at places where they never even thought about um, or creating opportunities for themselves rather than, you know, looking for one. Oh, yeah. I actually saw something really interesting in Europe. I never thought I would say this phrase in my lifetime but a drive-in rave <laughs> so you have a dj i'm assuming they're taking old drive-in movie venues so instead of the movie you have someone a dj up there with huge speakers and people are literally driving their cars in and i'm assuming having a mini rave in their car I, how I can you have a rave in your car people are desperate this is this is innovation in a nutshell because the next time we have a pandemic, we still know how to live. We don't have to close everything down full stop. It's like, well, we just have to adapt. You're seeing so many more dance institutions offering online classes that previously really didn't at all. I, I mean, I don't. I, you probably could count on one hand how many that actually None, offered any. Actually. Online. So that's that's a new thing, and I don't see that going away. Um, 
like with you martial arts you guys have had to offer martial arts classes online mm -hmm. something you never did before you've had to learn on the fly and yeah and adapt and, and your backs are against the wall you have to figure something out and I, I can only imagine how many other industries that we're not aware of that have had to make similar changes that will probably make the world a better place going forward it's making certain fields much more accessible for the laymen that maybe aren't in these urban centers that have, don't have the means or the time to attend. Mm -hmm. So that'll be a very interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, there are pitfalls of that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, even though it's, it makes a lot of stuff accessible, it also lacks that human connection. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, it's also very draining. You know, if you're, if you're, I don't know, as a teacher, I mean, I've been observing some classes and the worst thing is that if you have 10, 15 people on screen and you're focusing on each one of them and it really takes a toll on you energy-wise because it needs a lot of concentration to look at all these different people at the same time on a 2D surface and it is hard even for dance any kind of physical movement because it's not in 3D it's hard yeah absolutely and I, I, I would imagine as a teacher you register or you receive a lot of the energy that you're putting out back from the students when you're in person mm -hmm. like the classes I used to teach at work granted a lot of the people I worked with weren't always the most high energy folks but I can just imagine how much, how exponentially more difficult that would have been if I had to do that remotely through a TV screen or a computer screen. So I, yeah, I, I can't even imagine trying to teach something so physical as Taekwondo mm -hmm. uh, through Skype or Zoom or Google Hangout or whatever means uh, studios using. Yeah. It's, it's tough. It is very, and especially for kids, it is very difficult for them to not get distracted because you're not just looking at the screen, but you have so many things going on around you. You know, your mother's there in the other room or your little sister just crawled into the room. You have your little, pet jumping in the back. Or little Bobby's picking on little Susie and it's, then you didn't catch it. And, it's insane, yeah. you know? So this, it's a lot of distraction. Very hard for the kids to focus. Takes a lot for them to focus. Takes a lot from, for the teachers to engage these kids in uh, you know, effective instruction. Uh, it's really, really hard. And I don't know how effective it would be going forward. It's a great supplemental uh, tool to have, but I don't think it will be replacing no, 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 in-person no. classes. No. Um, weren't you saying initially when things started, there seemed to be a bit of a bandwidth issue as well with just the amount of usage? Yep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, it has become better. I think initially I think uh, all these platforms weren't aware of how much uh, their platforms going to be used by so many different organizations and they weren't prepared mm. for these many users and troubleshooting all these issues so uh, it was definitely very glitchy in the beginning but now I think it slowly has started getting better yeah it's good to hear, and I'm sure these platforms will probably be good job security for anyone 
looking to continue having a job through the next pandemic or the one after that. Yeah. Because we saw how quickly virtually every company had to switch to some sort of an online platform, mm-hmm. especially if it's class-based. Uh, and I can guarantee every single store that didn't have some sort of online market had to probably develop one very quickly as well. So anyone looking for another field, maybe do some website development, online market development, that's that's definitely going to be a thing. It's going to be needed. People, people still need to buy shit. And if they can't leave their house, how else can they buy it? Mm-hmm. Through their phone. <laughs> Through their computer. <sighs> yeah. Well, just last topic. Living your dream or someone else's. This I just want to talk in kind of a vague sense. But tying into a thing that we mentioned earlier about living, finding your dinosaur. Anyone that's watched Step Brothers remembers that scene with the dad. And he had that inspirational speech with his 40-year-old sons. And the theme of his speech was remembering your dinosaur or finding your dinosaur. And that was... A thing he wanted to be when he was a kid. And while it's absurd to say, well, a child's stupid, why the hell would you continue on wanting to be a dinosaur when you grow older? You can't be a dinosaur. That's, that's absurd. It's supposed to be absurd. But the point of it is, you have a dream when you're a child. And just because you get older, just because you start gaining responsibility and you have obligations, financial obligations doesn't mean you should give up on your dream when you're a child your mind is at its purest form whatever your interests are whatever your brain chemistry is wired to think and like and feel, it's all there you also have very little inhibition, Yes. so you can think of grander things because you don't know what failure is you know, yeah. you're just testing the waters and you're just testing your limit little by little and you're more open. You're more, you're someone who'd be taking more risk as a kid because we see all the time kids doing dumb shit, you know, climbing up the tree <laughs> or, you know, jumping off a ledge because they have very little inhibition. As adults, as you grow in, you, you fall and you learn that it hurts and then you will not do that anymore because it's like you know that how it feels when it hurts. And it hurts worse and worse as you get older. Yes. So I think our, as adults, we kind of condition ourselves to not take risks because that is not conducive to a long-lived life. Uh, so, but as a kid, you are just so open to new ideas. Your your imagination is running wild. You can be whatever you want to be. And that's when you find your dinosaur. And you lose that dinosaur when you're getting older slowly. Yeah, we, I think we take too far of a strong course correction in that sense. Now, obviously, you don't want to be stupid and continue jumping off cliffs into maybe a gorge of water because it was fun when you were 12. Because uh, maybe there's some rocks under that thin layer of water and you didn't realize it was that thin. But you can take calculated risks. You shouldn't give up on taking chances once in a while. And you'll often see the most successful people are the ones that were willing to take risks and kind of give up on some security 
for the chance of doing something better, something cool. Sometimes maybe not even something they initially thought they wanted to do. But life kind of direct them, directed them that way through their chance taking and their risk taking. And just, I don't know. I, I don't see much fun in just doing the safe thing all the time. Yeah. Well, I don't, on that note, I don't believe we have much else to talk about today. But make sure to tune in next week because we do plan on doing a 007 episode. That's going to be fun. It'll be our seventh episode already. Uh, I don't know how many movies we'll make manage to watch, but maybe we can do a little bit of research on the ones we don't watch just so we can at least mention them. Yeah. There are a lot of James Bond films. A lot. Uh Maybe we'll break down what movies are actually based on the books versus ones that weren't based on books. Okay. I do know Goldeneye was one that was not based on a book. Really? Yeah, surprisingly. Hmm. Uh, maybe I'll be eating that later on, but I think I was trying to look up a book for that, but there was no book. A lot of them do. Mm, but that'll be interesting. That'll be a very thematic show. I'm sure we'll notice some changes from one generation of movies to the next if we're at least watching one from each generation of actor. That classic shot with the, the gun, gun barrel. Yeah. And it kind of comes da-da, into the zoom. James Bond turns really quick, shoots. Yes. And then blood drips over the screen. It's very violent. Well... Anyways, thank you for tuning in this week. This has been the Simber Dialogues, episode 006. Every day feels like a Monday. Every day feels like a Monday. Every Damn, day it feels, feels good like... to be a gangster. No, I'm talking about every day feels like a Monday. It's a new song, DJ. You could sing it in the, in the tune of Damn, Damn it, feels... it feels good to be a gangster. Every, every day, day feels, feels like, like a Monday. Monday. Every day feels like a Monday. Now that sounds like a... <laughs> e equals MC. What was it? What was his name? What was his name? I don't remember. We're getting distracted. Anyways, thank you for tuning in. <laughs> Hope you tune in next week. We should be uh, getting the next episode up next Sunday, perhaps Saturday, probably Sunday. Uh, thanks again. This is your been your host Daryl. And this is Sapanio. And you have a wonderful evening and wonderful week, and stay safe out there. Remember, every day feels like a Monday. Ah, damn it. Bye-bye. I'm cashing out right now. I'm cashing out. I'm cashing out.